Welcome to Startup Knockout. I'm your host, Timo Higgs. Augmented reality is blowing up in the B2B space, especially here in Germany. And today we've got a conversation with Dr. Björn Schwertfeger from AR Experts. He's going to let us in on all the things that we need to know so that we can better understand this fast-growing space. Björn, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hello, Timo. Welcome. Thank you for your time. Thanks for the interview. I'm uh, really looking forward to your interesting questions. Uh, and I'm looking forward to questioning. So <laughs> it's about a little bit of the history of AR experts. So uh, you've been around since 2016. You've been getting lots of really good traction, but it's never a smooth road, is it? So I'm kind of interested. Take us through the last seven years broadly and give us an idea of some of the, the failures and successes you've had. That's an interesting question. So I was actually thinking about, I started the augmented reality 20 years ago. So the whole story of augmented reality wasn't 50 years ago. And uh, for a lot of things, uh, all those nice visions, all the videos you have seen, uh, we are not there yet. With some stuff, we are there yet. There are a lot of usable things now. But this big vision where we're having all the glasses uh, is not, did not fully arrive. So when we started in 2016, everybody was like, hey, they're coming so many glasses. Um, we will have augmented reality. And next year, everybody is, or everyone is using augmented reality instead of smartphones. Yeah, we'll get rid of the smartphones. Next year, everyone has those nice glasses. Uh, obviously, it didn't happen. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> um, um, yeah, basically, like everyone else, we were believing that uh, glasses will be the next big thing. We were a little bit skeptical, but we thought, okay, so many people are making glasses. We will do this technological leaps quite soon. Uh, but we are not there yet. 366 glasses popped up at the market since then. Red wow. 66. Um, um, you have not seen so many of them on the street, right? No, none. <laughs> so, uh, one of the biggest learning is um, it's quite hard with the glasses. And, um, one part is the technical part, but the other part is like the user adaption. So, how do you bring there huge, wonderful business cases for air glasses for augmented reality? Um, but with most, with 95% of the glasses, you're not going there because it's too complex. People are having fun with smartphones. That's where, we're, where we are now. So we started with all the glasses, went to smart glasses, now we had smartphones. Coming back to glasses later. Um, but this was probably the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge we had, like everyone at the market. I, I, I like this topic. I'm, I'm very interested in your thoughts on why Google Glass didn't work. Because this, this was going to be huge. And they had this massive marketing campaign. They had the coolest video advertising that you could ever imagine that this was going to be the future like we see in futuristic movies. And then it, it died. It died a very quick death. It actually didn't uh, die quickly. It died quick. Uh, it did die quickly from the consumer perspective. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it started with like uh, the main feature of the Google Glass was you can take a picture. And this white was spotted as a glass. Uh, uh, um, people who were wearing this glass were, uh, were named like glass holes. <laughs> uh, because uh, also the the, uh, the main uh, case of it was ah oh, you can take a picture of someone uh, those, uh, someone doesn't see that you're taking a picture and it was still looking a little bit stupid. Google Glass switched over to the B two B market. So you need to see, um, like 2015 when the HoloLens came to the market, everybody was like, hey, every consumer will wear uh, augmented reality glasses. They came mainly from a rail car and from China. Um. But then there was this German community. There's this uh, 
I call this the German-Austrian axis of augmented reality. Germany started quite early, and most of the things you see now, uh, you see this Apple, you see the Snap, you see this HoloLens, there are people involved who have been in this German-Austrian axis of AR. A little bit UK, also some big talents there. Most of the staff was coming from this. That's right. These are companies, the dark region. Yeah, companies, students, uh, um, uh, mainly people who discovered it at the universities and went to companies and uh, those companies were acquired or people are still working, in this, um, working on this. So now traditionally, uh, Germany and Austria are more to the B2B market and America is more to the B2C market. So what happened during this time, also with Google Glass, was it converted to become a B2B tool. So Google Glass was died as consumer product, and then it turned over to become a B2B tool. I don't know whether you remember how, how those glasses were looking like. They were like a, a stone, a glass stone in front of your eyes. Thing right there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was quite hard to see. There was like, you need to do a lot of adjustment. It was only one millimeter where you could see something. Yeah. Um, it's like when you breathed, you couldn't see anything anymore on the glasses. Ah, uh, okay. So it took 10 years until uh, um, someone, uh, as, until Google took it off the market, basically. So this is really interesting. So Google Glass didn't die. Uh, it just kind of went out of view and, and focused on the B2B market. And this is being driven forward by German and Austrian companies, you're saying? Basically, I, yeah, they spread all over the world. And there are also good talents in Australia, Japan, and uh, UK, uh, US, UK. But bringing all this augmented reality stuff to the B2B market, this was mainly driven by um, by this European access, basically. How close do you think we are to that making the jump back to consumer markets then? Is that is there anybody, like, are there any real companies with real resources working on this sort of thing? Or is this still kind of a side project and it's going to remain B2B for the foreseeable future? Uh, so a lot of American companies gave up. There are a few good old ones remaining. Um, even Microsoft went uh, rather to the B2B or uh, to the B2B or to the army uh, markets. Um, Apple is probably also focusing at the beginning to um, to 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 to, to, uh, to, uh, to B2B clients. A lot of Chinese companies are now working on making it a consumer product. But if you look, we did some market research and checking what did all the people say about glasses, the makers of the glasses, the CEOs of the companies, of Meta, of Magic Leap, of Unreal, etc. And they're saying those glasses are typically coming 2030 until they are really nice from the usability point of view, um, from the uh, from the Raven, until you have Raven style glasses. That will take a lot of time, basically. However, that's for the consumer market. And the B2B market, we, we already have a lot of people who are working a kind of on a daily basis, not eight hours, but for a few hours uh, with those glasses, basically. Yeah, so the, the form factor is going to be really important moving forward. Uh, I want to come back to this. I really do. Uh, but first, I, I, I want to give people a little understanding of your involvement with this, with AR experts and your product. So with the Jiri app, I've seen a couple of use cases already, things like industrial instructions, you know, training workers. I've seen one where uh, they were teaching you how to charge an electric car, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in kind of your favorites. What are some of the use cases that you see that you think are really interesting that you, you want people to know about? So we are typically dealing uh, or acting in this area of production or of after sales. So you're having complex machines, complex processes, or even not so complex machines, not so complex processes, but you have, you, someone needs to do something. Uh, 
and uh, in the industry you need to know what you need to do so you need to have a process description of it and uh, someone needs to understand it so this is called um, you need to train those workers and you don't find a lot of workers this is called a worker skills gap or Fachkräftemangel right right so um, but if you get good tutorials you can do any kind of job so let's assume uh, you have gotten a industrial education so you can can use a screwdriver and work, used to work on that machine we help people to be able to work on another machine on another one and on another one and a good quality so our main use cases are currently is production training production for machines for processes security trainings but also in after sales for the maintenance jobs so field service technicians are quite happy about our solutions and um, we, we always had to focus because we knew that augmented reality can't be complex even someone needs to make augmented reality and all the content. Um, uh, like you see, we are recording a video. It's, it's a lot of time recording a video. So it's even more time to make augmented reality. And we always have to focus to making it easy that everyone can make augmented reality. That's basically what we did. Um, so for production, for service, and now we're getting a lot of requests from facility management, from so how to, how to operate a building, security, uh, how to make your building secure, how to train people on those things uh, from, uh, from from gastro, what's the English word for gastro? For hotel and then gastronomy, restaurants, yeah. hotels and gast gastronomy, uh, restaurants, etc. Yeah? Basic things that we're starting with a coffee maker. Yeah? How to operate <laughs> a coffee maker. <laughs> so let me tell you, I was like, well, we just changed offices. Um, this is a big good illustration of uh, what's happening. So I'm quite a coffee nerd. Yeah, I know I'm having coffee machines and I'm operating a lot of coffee machines. I'm looking for the right coffee, etc. I know all the things of what you need to do with coffee. So we came to a new office space and was like, I have this machine, you put it on it, uh, you press two for two cups and your, and your seat trigger. And I was like, doing something, okay, something I'm doing wrong. <laughs> so there was a video tutorial for this whole coffee making process, which was like 15 minutes video tutorial. I was like, yeah, it's a 15 minute video tutorial. Yeah, that feels long yeah. nowadays. Exactly, and you're not, uh, you're not watching it. And I asked the people who did uh, uh, record it, and was like, yeah, it took a lot of time to record the video. Um, typical situation in the industry, yeah? You try it, um, don't read the manual, then you watch the video, you don't watch the video, and at the end, someone comes and does a one-on-one -on -one introduction to you how to use those things, yeah? Um, this is where we are, uh, where we yourself with GV are moving. That's like, you basically have people to record really fastly work instructions, which is not a 15 minute video. So this is saving people a lot of time and yeah, you're right. Making videos is not an easy thing as I found out when I started this podcast. Um, so <laughs> are we, are we talking here that we're saving, that you are saving companies? So instead of going a traditional route and, you know, having a paper manual or trying to do a, a YouTube video and putting that up there and then having a person actually come over and then teach the person. Getting all of that out of the way, how does your app, how much, how much time can you typically save a company? So typically, um, if you're recording a video of a process, that'd be like 20 steps. To do all those things, if you do the proper calculation, someone needs to record, you need to do it, then you go and cut it, then you realize, ah, I didn't take that scene, I need to go back, I go again, I cut it, I need to make an update. Typically, you need two people for two days. No, it's, let's say it's only one day, two people. But you need the time to do a good recording, storybook, until all the stuff is done, basically. And that's uh, 
typically companies are calculating something like 1,300 to 3,000 views for recording one video of work instructions. Or well, this morning I had a call with, uh, with a car maker and they like, yeah, we would like to try out uh, those three workplaces uh, for the assembly of something. Um, and like, yeah, how many days do we need for it? I say, yeah, you typically count you when you're writing it down, you take a lot of time. And we move this over that you only need half an hour. So typically, um, typically it's like a kind of 50 minutes, but if you need to think, you also need to think about your process, how you want to structure it. But documentation takes five to 15 minutes typically. And this has become significantly easier than recently. Exactly. And uh, you need to focus on this. Uh, we realized you need to focus on it. Uh, we always develop all the stuff uh, we are doing on a way that it's easy to do, which is um, harder than we thought, yeah? <laughs> because uh, uh, people are used to have good usability from the big things, from Meta, from LinkedIn, from Syscon, from YouTube. Um, it's a lot of work to make things easy. Yeah, simplifying something complex is is always more difficult than most people understand. Um, it's kind of an image of how people are doing this. So, like, if I'm a worker and I've got an okay from my boss to take one of our processes and put it into um, your AR app, am I just doing this with my cell phone? So, um, it's basically you need to download an app, and then because it's an enterprise solution, either you work on our servers or your then it's data storage is it on your servers. That's one a one-time setup. Um, then you go there. You need to think a little bit about your process. You got a quick introduction, how to make a good tutorial, how to make a good work instruction from us, uh, how to structure yourself a little bit. And then you typically get out your phone and um, can scan in your environment and then you can place arrows, symbols, any kind of symbols in augmented reality. You record, you record all your steps. And at the end, you press, uh, for example, you press publish and then it's getting published. For example, there's a QR code, there's a web link inside the app and then you're done. If you want to do an update, you just get out your phone again. Uh, you change your, uh, you change the one picture or the one video, the one arrow. You publish it again with all the versioning stuff, and then you're done. And that's the the main focus where we are on. It needs to go fast because no no one comes in the morning in the factory and says, "Hey, today I'm gonna write a work instruction." No one. Yeah. So of necessity. We, yeah. So we need to put some fun into it. People need to have fun uh, documenting things, basically. We, we are putting fun into making this work instruction, but actually people need this work instruction to be more flexible. Yeah, You want to bring workers in and they should be able to work uh, in, in the highest quality, in the highest standards, and they need to be able to qualify themselves for those tasks. And we could measure this uh, with a big car maker uh, in Germany that people paper was augmented reality to 62.3% less mistakes. And it's quite a lot, right? It's really quite a lot. People are doing uh, very less mistakes. They're having more fun doing it. And you got the forewarker, the, the boss, you got them out of the game. Because typically, this person was explaining all the stuff to their people again and again and again and again and again and again, again, again. And now you simply record it uh, as a rap. You publish it and then people can qualify themselves. Can people already use this to get certified on something? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a funny point. <laughs> um, because it's like, uh, particularly in Germany or some US where we're having most of our clients currently, um, people want to uh, need to have something 
a written document. So uh, we didn't, uh, we developed something. I I refused to develop for two years because everybody was asking, can we have a can we have a way to print the augmented reality based work instruction on paper? So we developed something uh, now something where you basically can print augmented reality on paper. Hello, boy. Uh, for your uh, <laughs> as an SAP staff for your certification, basically. At at the end, and at the end, I'm honest. This will be mainly for the um, for the ESO certification, not for the people. But you need to provide it. So you record once, uh, you get a PDF out of it, uh, but you also get the nice work instruction which you can play on your smartphone, on your glasses, etc. Yeah, that that feels like uh, you know like very traditional bureaucracy of, okay, we've made this great technology. Now let's put it on paper. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you cannot say no if so many people ask, hey, can, can we also print it? Yeah, okay, you can also print it. Yeah, your customers have needs. And uh, yeah, those needs might unfortunately still be situated in the 20th century. Um, how many of your customers are actually using glasses as a form factor when they're looking at the instructions? Is just about everybody using their, their phone when they're doing this or... Are the, are the glasses actually being used now? So our idea was that everyone is using glasses. Our first implementation have been on AR glasses. Everybody was like, ah, that's so cool. Uh, the biggest problem with glasses is, oh, they are not charged. They're not in my Wi-Fi. How was my password? How do I how do I operate those glasses? Um, we were also like, uh, we had the idea that if you record the work instruction, you need to be able to do it by yourself. And this only works if you're having the glasses on your head. And then you speak with your glass and they're recording things. So what some people were asking for smartphones. So we went there and we developed it for, for glass and for smartphones. And then we gave it to people who were like, we were like well educated with glasses and was again, go for it. Just record work instruction. And what was happening? They were like taking the, the, the smartphones. Like, why the hell do you use a smartphone? You can have, be hands-free with the glasses for the recording process. Like, yeah, um, you know what? It's so much more easy with a smartphone than with the glasses. Yeah, but you need to be two people. Yeah, but it's quite fast. We are so much faster, two people. One is doing the job, the other is recording. We can talk to make a good work instructions and we are done. Like, okay. <laughs> well, this was like a, um, a kind of a big pivot that we realized, okay, for recording work instructions, you don't need to be hands-free. It would be nice. Everybody's asking for it, but uh, it works quite good with a smartphone. And now it's like for playing the work instructions, it's, um, and quite often people are using smartphones or screens or also big screens and they scan on the QR code with a traditional scanner. Um, but, and a few are moving to the glasses. I don't know if you, and now the, so there's, uh, let's say there's like the second generation of glasses on the market now. Now the third generation is coming, which is more easy to use. And I expect that more and more people then uh, are going to use it on the glasses. Yeah, that does sound a little counterintuitive, but it's it's kind of cool that you basically A/B tested that, and they said it's still better. It's still better with the with the cell phone. Um, do you think that'll switch in the future, where eventually the majority are using the glasses and the cell phones start a sort of sort of uh, comes out of the picture? I think so. Yeah. I think it will be uh, like a 50-50 stuff that uh, some people want to use glasses and um, in particular when the connection to the content is quite easy. If you need to log in, it doesn't work. But now they're getting smoother, they're getting also in the company networks you need to know. You cannot simply put a device in a company network. 
it takes companies uh, half a year uh, and they are fast to bring a device into the company network because there needs to be some security certification and all that stuff and some standards be implemented. I see this is coming and companies, the glasses make are getting better here. So this process will be faster and um, this will, um, will help with adoption basically. Yeah. And then I guess it'll start to sort itself out depending on what they need to do with it. And if, uh, if they need their hands free and it'll start to, it'll start to have guidelines kind of associated yeah. with it when you yeah. want to, when you want a cell phone or when you want the glasses. Um, let's step back just a little bit now. And I want to talk a little bit about Germany. So you mentioned that there's this like axis of Austria and Germany that is very strong in augmented reality development, that sort of thing. Um, is this still the case? Or is it really starting to spread around the world now and others are, you know, they're seeing a big business opportunity in it. So there's more. It's like, yeah, no, it was spreading all over the world, basically. There are still a lot of good people uh, in those areas, uh, really good people. Even some um, some of the big companies are having the headquarters for augmented reality um, in Germany and Austria because the good people are there. But, uh, but also... Um, if you look at the Silicon Valley now, there are really a lot of good people or to Japan. and uh, But also a lot of people moving from those areas here over there. But now there's a, there's a lot of knowledge about it and good people around. Okay. Yeah. So stepping back a little bit and looking at Germany as a whole and AR development, um, do you feel that the German startup ecosystem is doing enough to help the development of AR? And what might they do to encourage it a little bit more? That's a good question. <laughs> so, um, first of all, Germany is uh, putting a lot in, uh, into the uh, IT companies. It could put, basically, it could put more. Um, I feel it's rather the, uh, the German society, which is quite slow with digitalization. You have seen this during Corona. Um, the adaption rate is quite low. Germany is Foxland. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a machine where you can put a piece of paper it's getting scanned <laughs> in and sent to someone else, so I'm getting it out there. No. And uh, a lot of German companies are still using it. If you're looking to China, um, yes, everything is digital. And uh, the adoption rate is quite high, and that's why they are moving so fast now. In Germany, most of the things are on paper. Um, also, US is quite a lot of paper. The adoption rate for digitalization is higher. It's probably rather, um, I feel like even the German government, um, the new one who was there now promised to make a lot of processes digital in the government. They simply did fail with it. Companies, uh, uh, not companies, countries like Eastland are saying like, hey, um, how can such a big economy like Germany afford not being fully digital? So this could be a real handicap moving forward then. Definitely, yeah. Um, because we are, we are so inefficient if you're not digital. It's so inefficient. You can save so much money and so much time and effort uh, being good to. So for, um, we met some companies, for them it's a no-brainer what we are doing. But for German companies, like, yeah, do we need to have digital work instructions? No. Yeah. Oh, no, we don't need this. We are, we are good with paper. We're doing an evaluation now on how we want to optimize things. And, okay, how, do, how long do you need? Three months, six months? Yeah, we're thinking about 2025. Yeah, <laughs> and you see those adaption rates. Yeah, just do it in your own time, whenever you're ready. <laughs> and there's some stuff which gives you so easily such a leap in, uh, in performance. And if you see that others are doing it, and if you're not doing it, you're basically lost. Yes, 
not the first time I've had this conversation with people, particularly in the startup world, that are frustrated with the lack of digital adoption. I mean, I mean, main philosophy, you know, uh, are we having, uh, um, we can do jobs in Germany, we do nice jobs in Germany, we're having nice clients. We feel Switzerland is faster in adopting than Germany is. It really is, yeah. Um, but we are um, we having a huge client base in the US, for example, because they are so much faster in adopting things. Yeah, for us, for us, it's not a problem. Yeah, we, we are selling our stuff. Um, I rather hearing about uh, European economy, which is like um, saying, ah, we don't need to be so digital. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like it. it's like being in a boat and your boat can be fast, but if you've got a wave pushing you and you've got a wind behind you, you can go even faster. And that would be exactly, nice. Yeah. yeah. Good. So we're going to leave that there and we're going to get to our last part, which is our game, win, lose, or draw. Hiram, are you ready to play? Go ahead. I'm ready. All right. So our first one, win, lose, or draw, AR being used by normal people every day. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why? Uh, I'm since 20 years on the topic, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm seeing like... Um, Having a smartphone is nice and you can do stuff, but then quite often you put it in your bag. Um, I'm not seeing people walking around in the city every day and reading and uh, getting entertained while walking. There are even studies about that we are not able to do two things at the same time. Yeah, we cannot walk and reading information. We're getting slower with it. There will be some freaks, yes, but it's not the... Um, a smartphone is quite a good device. You touch it, easily use. In the office, different story. If you, for example, uh, need to make meetings, it's so much nicer putting your glasses on, uh, having our tasks, and being in front together of a virtual whiteboard, pointing your finger somewhere. It's a huge benefit. Probably will see this in private life for FaceTime family calls. Yeah, that's that's the case. That's a big case. But it's not like um, it's not really going to replace your smartphone. Yep. Okay, I get that. All right, then number two. Uh, we talked about this, but I'm going to pin you to a time frame on this. Win, lose, or draw, AR-ready glasses becoming a consumer good again within the next five to ten years. Win, a consumer good? Yeah, but not daily. Okay. Good. Then our last one. Um, So one thing we need to get out there for the audience so they understand. You are a founding member of OpenAR Cloud, which is working on standardizing the technology. So win, lose, or draw. AR becomes standardized the way Wi-Fi is, where you can go pretty much anywhere in the world and use your device on Wi-Fi with AR. Uh, win? Win? Yeah, win. Win. And your reasoning behind? Why is it a win? Uh, needs to for the adoption. And you think this is going to happen? So it's not just a need, but this is the direction we're heading? It's like uh, it's like this uh, VHS, uh, CDs, uh, something. You want to have there's a media, you want to consume it, and um, you need to be able to uh, to share it with other people. You cannot only make it accessible to one group. Um, there will be standards for the exchange. It's a business case. Where there's a business case, then usually the technology will follow. Exactly. Good. So that was win, lose, or draw. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Uh, Björn, thank you so much for coming on. This was very enlightening, and I'm super excited about AR technology, although I may not be using it in the next two years, let's say, to play my favorite game on Google Glass. Ah, not your favorite game on Google Glass, but yeah, there's already some nice stuff you can play on glasses. My my kids love it. 
I even brought the, um, a big aquarium on glasses to the uh, child daycare and all the ch uh, children were liking it. Yeah, that sounds like something my kids would love too. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode. Bjorn, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Timo. And if you want to catch Bjorn, you can find him on LinkedIn or at ar-experts.de. If you want more from us, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And thank you so much for listening and watching. We'll see you again next week.